we begin this day, we await the advent of Christ. We stand today in breathless anticipation of a joyful season that has been celebrated for hundreds of years, yet that astounds us anew each year. As we light the first Advent candle, let it stand for hope, based not on wishful thinking, but on deep conviction. We believe, we have seen, we have received the promise and the great gift, and therefore, in the midst of darkness and imperfection, we hope. We Welcome to the worship of God on this beautiful, though foggy, Lord's Day in this beautiful place for worship. And thanks to the Johnson family for leading us in the opening litany. Was the microphone on for the first part of the reading? Okay, did everybody hear him? I'll let him read again. It's important, you know. (laughs) All right. Well, if you did, then you know that it's time for Advent. We've had a time change since we were here just a week ago. We didn't fall uh, back, we didn't spring forward, but we stopped, and we watched, and we listened, and we began preparing for the coming of God. We take the lead today from that single candle that the Johnsons lit over here. It is the candle of hope. It's the bravest of all the candles. With all that's going on in the world, it took a stand and said that in this day we can have hope. We'll take that also as we read the the lessons today. The first lesson will be from Jeremiah. Jeremiah has to stand on tiptoe in prison, looking all the way for hope. Daniel will be preaching today, and Daniel will be preaching on that text, so be listening for it in just a moment. The Apostle Paul will be writing about hope in a way, he talks about um, strengthen your hearts and look with anticipation. And then the gospel that you'll hear read here from among the people talks about do not let your hearts be weighed down. And then it gives a list of those things that weigh down our hearts, and one of the words is dissipation, as in we are spread through too thin as in there is a lot going on and we are scattered in how we live. I don't know about you, but uh, that describes me today. I come in with a heart weighed down. 
Liz and I having walked through the, the path of grief this week, or to walk with hearts weighed down through the path of pain this week, as some of you have and do, to walk through the paths of just seeing what's going on in the world, and that weighs down our hearts, and we grandparents wonder what kind of world we're leaving to our grandchildren. So we come in here perhaps with hearts weighed down this day, but yet we have this brave candle of hope. And we're going to do as it leads us. And in spite of what we see and feel and how we are weighed down, we are going to be people of hope. And we'll let that light carry us into the season. Welcome to the worship of God. Let, our open, let us open our hearts and our ears as we hear from this book. The Promise of Hope, a reading from the book of Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in this place that is waste, without human beings or animals, and in all its towns there shall again be pasture for shepherds resting their flocks. In the towns of the hill country, of the Shephelah and of the Negev, in the land of Benjamin, the places around Jerusalem, and in the towns of Judah, flocks shall again pass under the hands of the one who counts them, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Here ends the first lesson. Will you join me in prayer, please? God of hopefulness, we thank you for your presence in our midst this day. We pray that you would make us mindful and present ourselves. We live in a world and we live lives full of care. Fires followed by floods earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars. And a whole caravan of migrants seeking to escape political and personal oppression, which reminds us far too much of Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus, leaving to flee to Egypt. These are challenging days, God. And we ask a special measure of your Spirit's presence in our lives. Strength for the living of these days. Courage 
to act the way you would have us to act. But most of all, we pray as we begin another church year that you would help us to listen, to hear the still small voice that comes in the silence, to push away the noise that threatens to overwhelm us, to be people of hope, people for whom hopelessness is never an option. Hopeful in the knowledge that Jesus, the the Christ, took human flesh, Emmanuel, come to save us. We pray these things this morning in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Joining our voices with all of the other voices around the world to pray the words Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The promise of a return to joy. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Here ends the second lesson. See all of you this morning, dressed in all your pretty plaids and pretty dresses. Well, uh, this morning, <laughs> there's, okay, good. Okay, guys.
guys. It's good to see you this morning. Hey, today is the first Sunday of Advent. You are listening. Wonderful. Today's the first Sunday of Advent. So we're waiting for Jesus to come on Christmas, but we're not there yet. We gotta wait four whole Sundays of Advent for Christmas to come. And I brought something special with me that I'm going to show you today, but you have to wait a few minutes before I show it to you. Like, Advent, got to wait. Well, hey, can y'all look at the Advent wreath? Can you see it from where you are? You know, each Sunday, like Pastor Jane said, we're going to light a candle on that wreath. And today, we lit the candle up. Yeah, and that's right, we lit the candle of uh, uh, hope. That's right, we lit the candle of hope. And you know, each of these candles, they tell us something special about Advent. All right? So in Advent, we're going to wait just a little while, and just like God's people did um, so many years ago, we're going to wait. And just like God's people did so long ago, we're going to hope, and we're going to wait um, and keep that hope. I lost my mic. Sorry, guys. Now, speaking of waiting, you've waited long enough. Now I want to show you what I brought. I need some help, okay? So will you help me open this first box and, and see what's in there? Will you open that box? What's in there? Another box. Will you will you take it out? You can put it upside down like that. Shake it out. Okay, so you open that first one. So now, Amelia, will you will you open that one for us? You gotta wait, see. What's in there? Another box. Can you can you pass it to Leah? She's gonna get the next one out. What's in there? Another box. Okay, let's see. Here, upside down. Who's going to open this one? Open that one for me. You guys are good at waiting. What's in there? Stars. Well, hey, you know, I brought these stars to you today because I want to tell you something special about Advent with these stars. Okay, with this star, I'm going to give one to each of you. And with your star, I want you to think about bringing your hope and your own life to Advent this year, just like our candle of hope, okay? So I'm going to see if I can get two big helpers who can help me kind of... Aaron, will you help me pass those out? Will you help me pass out some, Sebastian? Make sure everybody gets one, and then y'all kind of pass those out right there. All right. Who's got boxes for me? Thank you. And while they're passing those stars out, so when you get your star, I want you to take your star back to your pew today after the lesson is over. And when you go back to your pew, I want you to get um, one of your crayons from your children's bulletins or maybe a pencil or a pen. And I want you to write on your star. I want you to put your name on it because that's your light of hope. And on it, too, if you have some special hope, for Advent, y'all sit back down. If you have some special hopes for Advent that you're thinking of, maybe you're 
hoping for some more kindness this Advent, or maybe you're hoping to see someone special this Christmas and this Advent, I want you to write those special things on your star, okay? And at the end of worship, go back out in the narthex, and there's a big candle of hope on a Christmas tree, and I want you to take your star and hang your star with your hopes for Advent on that big candle of hope, okay? Because when you bring your light of hope, you're going to bring it to the Advent season when you hang it out there, okay? All right? All right, let's say a prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, help us all to shine our hopes into this Advent season as we wait for the true light of your son's birth to come to our waiting world. Amen. Wait for God's Realm, a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, 
and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. On this first day of Advent, I I love to see these familiar symbols. The wreath, the candle of hope, and all the decorative greenery, and the chrismons that you can see on both ends and the Christmas trees. But I am conscious of how easy it is to be distracted by the rival symbols outside these walls. You know, Jenny and I were going to the movies in the week before Thanksgiving, And the shopping center where we were had all the Christmas lights already up. And they were playing Christmas music. And I looked at her and I said, they start a bit earlier every year, don't they? We were in Atlantic Station. And we were looking down at a strange scene. I mean, it was a fairly warm day, but they had built an ice skating rink. And it looked like it was about half melted to me. And a few feet away from the rink was a cage. And inside the cage, somebody or some corporation had placed a large animal. And I was standing at some great distance, so I had to really squint to see what was going on. And when I did, I said, Jenny, they put a reindeer in that cage. (laughs) That poor reindeer. And folks were crowded around it. Somebody needs to call Santa, tell him that Rudolph has been kidnapped. He's in a cage in Atlantic Station. (laughs) You know, what we were seeing was the bizarre cultural amalgam of the Christmas shopping season. Doesn't have anything to do with Jesus, but we're all more culturally fluent in the symbology of the mall than we are with the symbols of Advent. Advent begins, as you heard, not with Christmas music and ice skating, not with Santa and his reindeers or even a nativity scene. 
it begins with apocalypse. It begins not with the little baby Jesus, but the fierce apocalyptic Christ coming again in glory. Just as you heard read in the gospel reading, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. The spiritual location of humans at the beginning of Advent is, as God said through the lips of the prophet Jeremiah, in this place that is waste without human beings or animals. In this place that is waste. It's not too hard for us to imagine. Just the week before Thanksgiving, the federal government released a climate change report, as they are required by federal law to do each year. And I read the executive summary of that thing, so you wouldn't have to. Spoiler alert, none of it is good. Huge economic disruption, negative impact on access to clean water, squandering of resources, all if we don't change our course. Dark days ahead. And for the prophet Jeremiah, it wasn't hard to see a place of waste. You know, because Jeremiah was in jail when he wrote the words that we heard. In jail because the king of Judah, Zedekiah, put him there. In jail because Jeremiah had spoken truth to power, and power had said, go to jail. Jeremiah had prophesied the coming of the Babylonians and said that God was going to punish Judah, but the power structures did not like that message. It was 597 B.C.E., the beginning of the siege of Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian, and the rulers of Judah had already been deported to Babylon, leaving Zedekiah and those who remained to be starved out. And Jeremiah looks out at the landscape of his beloved city, and he sees a place of waste. The city is besieged, encircled, doomed. And the message Jeremiah gets from God is that Judah and the temple will be destroyed. Now, how's that for an Advent message? Well, it strikes me that it is the perfect Advent message in the grasp of the apocalyptic language of Luke and Jeremiah to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Because the texts tell us that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot get righteous ourselves. We cannot be whole unless we are on watch for what God is doing. Jeremiah was on watch because there wasn't much else to do while you're in jail. And there wasn't much basis for hope in that jail cell. With the intelligentsia and the priests and the royalty carted off to Babylon, there was no leadership left in the great city. With the temple destroyed, which had been the way, the way in which atonement and reconciliation with God had been reached, there was no way to get right with God. With the kingdom of David shattered, captured, executed, there was no way for the promise once made by God to David to be fulfilled, that his kingdom would last forever. The devastation exposes the limits of human imagination. And human imagination, while potent and resourceful, is finite and impoverished without God. Human imagination can only conjure up an emaciated reindeer and some Bing Crosby songs 
as the sign of new life. Human imagination can only look at the challenges we face as a society and resort to tribalism and partisan rhetoric rather than attending to what God has in store today. And what might God have in store today? Well, you heard it from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord. And now listen to these verbs of action. Listen to who is saying them. God says through Jeremiah, the days are surely coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. In the span of a couple of verses, all the desolation that Judah had experienced was swept away. In five exuberant verbs, God flips all the devastation upside down. That's how quickly God can act. Don't you remember what the scripture tells us at the very beginning? The earth was formless and void. And things were not looking too hopeful for life. And and all it took was for God to speak. And when God's lips opened, life came out. So what life from the Lord might we hear from Jeremiah this morning? First, I believe we are in desperate need of an antidote to cynicism and despair. The antidote is hope. Like the prison that held Jeremiah captive, cynicism and despair imprison many of us. Because those are the dominant values of contemporary society. But hope, hope is the tenacious and resilient expectation that God will be God no matter how bad things seem. Hope arises from remembering the story of how God has acted at times when hope was on life support or completely dead and how God will act again. And second, I think the text is a necessary reminder that it is God who creates and acts and saves and not us. When we are left to our own devices and to our own meager imagination, when we push God out of the picture and ask merely economic and pragmatic questions, then we shouldn't be surprised if there isn't much to hope in. The earth is dying, the scientists say. We're poisoning it day by day. We wring our hands and wonder where hope will come from. The institutions are dying, the commentators say. You know, we once trusted them to protect and help us, but now they are eroding, crumbling. We wring our hands and wonder where hope will come from. The church is dying. Every book and journal and magazine article in the last 20 years has been saying, folks aren't coming like they used to. We wring our hands and wonder where hope will come from. Things look so bleak in that narrative because we have erased God as an agent. But if we simply open our eyes, we'll see that every gift that we have comes from the hand of God. 
And finally, if it is God who is righteous, who creates, saves, and sustains, then we are called as God's people to respond. We don't make up our own righteousness. We model our lives based on God's righteousness. In those days, Jeremiah said, the land will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Is it possible that at God's direction and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we might help contribute to the land becoming righteous again? As our Jewish brothers and sisters say, tikkun olam, repairing the world. That Atlanta might one day be called the Lord is our righteousness. That this country might one day give up on its war and violence and be called the Lord is our righteousness. That this earth which we poison and pollute might one day be called the Lord is our righteousness. What a quaint notion. What a silly idea. I'm sorry I said it. How naive to imagine that the land would one day be redeemed by the source of all righteousness. As best I can tell, the land is on life support. (laughs) Do you hear how easy it is for cynicism and despair to take over your imagination? Well, people of God, can't you hear God whisper? Can't you hear God shout? Can't you hear nothing in your ears but the Advent proclamation that the days are surely coming? Rumor is that God will come again in glory. Yes, the days are surely coming. Rumor is that the day is today. When we opened up our eyes this morning, God had already come into our hearts. Rumor is that the day already came. 2,000 years ago in a tiny backwater called Bethlehem. And soon we will meet there at Jesus' manger. Today, we meet at the Lord's table. Amen. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation for response and dedication is given. We sing a hymn that invites that. We have folk from time to time that say, count me in. I want to be a part of a church that's growing like that to follow Jesus, to walk in a Christian way. In fact, that's what the hymn is about, about following Jesus, about being more loving, about being more holy, and it coming from our heart. That's what we'll sing. Let's stand together and do so.
Well, each time we gather, we bring our celebrations and concerns, and I bring a few of those to you this morning. First, you may note as you leave the service today that we have printed out uh, this Memories, a Christmas and Advent devotional. Uh, and I want to thank Allison Rowland, who's the chair of our adult education team. Thank you, Allison, for all your hard work. And for every uh, child and adult who drew pictures and wrote entries, we thank you. These are for you to pick up, grab them as you leave, and enjoy through the Advent season. I have some prayer concerns I want to bring to your attention this morning. Uh, Of course, we continue to pray for you, Liz, and for you, James, through the season of grief and struggle. We pray for Clay Manley, uh, who suffered a minor fall last night, and that's why he wasn't here this morning, and his family requests prayers. He's recovering at home. And I received word uh, last night that Andrew Taylor, you know Andrew and Taylor, Andrew Taylor and David Beavers, uh, two new members who joined recently, Andrew's aunt, Marsha Brookins, died yesterday. They are with the family now, so we pray for their family this morning. As our prayers uh, stretch around the globe to all of those uh, affected by uh, continued results of natural disaster and chaos, and for each of you in this congregation who have your own concerns, we pray. We also bring celebration this morning for Radar, Radar Bjornard, who we mentioned last week was having a birthday. He, in fact, did have a birthday, turned 101. And we'd like to sing to you, Radar, uh, with or without your consent. This is, I think, going to happen. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to you. And I think the song goes like this. Whoa. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Radar. Happy birthday. We celebrate with you this morning. And let's take that, that spirit of joy and hope and listen to E'en so, Lord, Jesus, quickly come. Lord Jesus, quickly come, and night shall be no more as we continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings.
At this time, we observe the service of Holy Communion. It is the insert that is in your order of service. All of God's people are invited to this table to be served. You'll come forward. There will be a place to be served by intention, taking the bread, dip in the cup, and then eat on this side and on this side. You'll come up the center aisle and go up the side aisle. And again, all are invited. Let us read now responsively the Sorsum Corda. The peace of Christ be with you. And also Lift up your hearts. We give thanks to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing that always and everywhere we give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you joining our voices with all the company of heaven, who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing.
may be seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. And having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice but also thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. We celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. So take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen.
Please stand for the prayer of thanksgiving. All loving God, on this first Sunday of Advent, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table and in this sanctuary. For we have celebrated the presence of Christ. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in peace and rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen.
Hasn't it been a good day to be together as we join together from Valerie's music to the choir's music to the communion and sermon? It's been a good day to be together. Also, uh, lest you think that we are giving Radar special treatment, we only sing happy birthday to those who are 101 or above. So is there anyone else that we miss? Or 102, 103 we've sung before. All right. Well, happy birthday. Also, this afternoon at 3 p.m., the festival singers that are led by Keith Walker will be singing here in the sanctuary, and it's another way of living in the Advent season toward Christmas and Epiphany. Now, hear these words. May the strength of Christ uplift you. May the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. May the grace and mercy of God give you courage and give you hope throughout this Advent season as we go in peace. Amen.